0: Welcome to another episode of the History of the Bay Podcast. My name is Drex1. Today, behind the lens, we got Rocky Vision. We got King Sid. We got the producer, Skino in the cut. We got D.E.O. behind the boards. Big shout-out to our sponsors, Amoeba Music of San Francisco. Support your local record store. Also got a shout-out to folks at Dying Breed, San Francisco, where you can get all these graffiti supplies. And today, we got another special guest. You know, we keep coming, man. People from all over the Bay, all over the place, all different types of styles, all different types of stories. We got one of the unsung heroes of of the Bay Area hip-hop scene, producer extraordinaire The Architect. Yo, peace, peace. What up, y'all? What's up, brother? Thank you for coming through today. Today, man. Man, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, you got an interesting story, and I'm not sure if everybody knows it. And I'm sure there's a lot of details for the people who do know that they haven't heard yet. So I'm excited to 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 get into this conversation. Definitely. And um for those who don't know, I mean you've been on tour with Souls of Mischief this whole year. Yep. We just, we had them in here a couple months ago, which was an honor to have all four of them brothers talking about the 30th anniversary of 93 to Infinity. Yeah, 30, 30 years, you know. It's a trip. Yeah, man. 93 plus tour dates turn into like, what'd you say, 100 and what? I think
1: we just did like 112. 112 and it's not over. You about to hit Uh, New Zealand, Australia, you know what I'm saying? Should have South America coming up soon, you know, it's nonstop all around the world. No, it's crazy. So what? what's that been like, being um, being part of that experience and getting to to hit the road with those brothers? Man, it's been crazy, you know what I'm saying? Like, all the shows have been pretty much sold out, you know? Um, we've been from the U.K., all over Europe, all over the United States, you know what I mean, Canada. And like I said, the, the response from the people have been crazy, you know? It's like um, the audience, you know, we was thinking was going to be, you know, 50 and up or something like that, or, you know, 40 and up. But the audience actually has been a lot of young people there. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, man, shit's been crazy.
0: Yeah, I love hearing that because I, as I get older, it always surprises me that a lot of the people that rock with me are hella young, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> For so real. So that just goes to show, you you know, like, I feel like the conversation about age and hip-hop was a lot more of a bigger thing, like maybe a decade ago. Yeah, I mean. hip-hop was still aging. And yeah, now that it yeah.
1: turned 50,
0: it's like people have shown, like you, yeah, all no, those
1: be, barriers are broken. It'd be kids in there, you know, they'd be like 21 to 28. They know the lyrics. Mm-hmm. They know the album cuts, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, I mean, they know things, songs that ain't even, they know the taxi song and they didn't even go on the album. Right, you know right, right, I mean? right, 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 so, right. You know what I mean? They they out there listening, man. How did you first develop your relationship with the Souls of Mischief? Man, that's crazy. Well, you know... I had a studio at Hyde Street next to their studio, so they had like it was like a um, it was kind of candy quarter to their studio, but the doors were next to each other. So I would just be I mean we knew each other in passing anyways, but at, when I was in that studio next to him, you know I'd be blazing in the studio or whatever. They hear the beats come through, so likewise go through burn something, you know, listen to music, and next thing you know we was recording, and you know. The rest is history It's dope Real organic Legendary
0: High Street Studios Yeah, man In the The, Tenderloin Yep The endless studio
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, there's a lot of, like, legendary albums that have been recorded there Oh, yeah, definitely Jefferson Airplane, you know, Mm -hmm. James Brown They said he had recorded something in the room Mm -hmm. That I was renting out or whatever, so George Clinton Mm -hmm. Yep, George Clinton would be up in that piece Yeah It's amazing It's an amazing experience, man well, let's go all the way back to the beginning and uh, tell everybody wh- where you grew up and, and what was your childhood like? So I grew up in Melpitas, you know what I'm saying? And a uh, small town, you know what I mean? A lot, Everybody knew each other, you know what I mean? One, One eighth grade, we all went to the same eighth grade. So, you know, like Charisma, I knew him personally, you know what I'm saying, his family, you know what I mean? Um, uh, there was a group called Red, Black, and Green that came out that Cup Master Kirk produced back in the day. I knew all the guys from that, you know, um, group or whatever the case. So, you know, it was a small town, you know what I mean? But um, my father was a DJ, so, you know, he had a nightclub, but he would do the mobile DJ first before he owned the nightclub. So, you know, I was always into hip-hop and music, and he wasn't per se doing the same type of music, you know, playing the same kind of music I was producing, but he was a DJ, so I was already hip to turntables and the whole, you know, the whole um, way to make it happen, so... Yeah, so you, you were on it early. Yeah, I was on it real early. So
0: Milpitas, yeah. that's a small that's a small town in the South Bay. Yeah. But so there there is
1: a, its own hip-hop history there as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Folks I mean, like you and, and Charisma, rest in yeah. peace. I mean, Q-Bert would come down there and DJ a lot, so we would see him at our high school DJing and stuff like that, you know what I mean, doing the routines way, way back in the day, you know. Yeah, I was a freshman seeing him do that, so, you know. We just get a lot of hip-hop experience down there. It was crazy. Do you remember, like, what is the first
0: hip-hop music you heard and what was the first hip-hop music you heard from the Bay?
1: Wow. I mean, the first hip-hop music I heard would probably be... uh, Man, I can't even really call it that uh, Man. Well, what sticks out in my mind, one of the records that... Really made me, because I was hearing all kinds of, you know, um, Grandmaster Flash and all that. But a record that sticks out is Schooly D, um, it's the record with the, you know, graffiti on it. So, um, Smoke Some Kill? It's the, it was the one before, before that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't remember off the top of my head, but that particular record, the beats on there, was crazy. And uh, that was a moment where I was like, all right, I'm going to definitely try to make some beats, you know what I'm saying? Um, the first hip-hop record from the Bay... <clears throat> wow. I mean, damn, Dana Dane, or not Dana Dane, but uh, what's that? You, I call your name, remember that song? Dangerous, Dangerous Dane. Dangerous Dane, that sticks out. Pooh Man, of course, Too Short. I mean, that's off top. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, uh, AMW, uh, 415, like, just all them records. So all that stuff was making it way, yeah. is way down there. You know what I mean? Chunk hmm You know, uh, Totally Insane. I mean, you know, just that whole era. Of, Hell, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So you went right into into the beats. You didn't want to start off as a rapper, or, di- or did you? You know, real young, but I've already, once I got to the beats, I was like, yo, I'm sticking with this. This is where, you know, well, DJing, because I was DJing, too. Yeah, that's so, usually so, how you know, it goes, right, you know I mean? for producers. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm DJing, you know, little high school dances around the way and whatnot, and house parties and stuff. And I'm like, y'all want to learn how to make these beats that I'm DJing. And then, you know, once I figured that out, I was really just stuck on the beats.
0: So we're talking early 90s, right? Yeah, like 89. Late like 80s, early 90s. What was the process for making beats back then and what type of equipment were you on?
1: I started out with, um, well, you know, it's funny. Where I was at, it wasn't like a lot of people making beats. So I had to figure out what what to get. Right. So I didn't know that you needed a sampler initially. I heard 4 tracks, so I had the four-track. Then in a drum machine, you know what I'm saying? Then figured out that shit wasn't sampling. That wasn't what they was using, in, you know, to make the beats. That's not how you get them James Brown beats that exactly. you hear. Exactly. So, you know, tape looping. Then eventually I figured out I needed a sampler. I got a little small Casio sampler, but it didn't have enough seconds. So, you know, I had to wait some years, stack a little money. You know, and finally got an EPS sampler. Mm-hmm. And once I got that, you know, I already had the records. I've been buying records and shit forever trying to figure it out. So. Yeah. And my dad had a bunch of old records and whatnot. So once I um, got that EPS, it was on. I love that EPS. Just that real crunchy yeah. 8-bit sound with the floppy disks. Exactly. Affordable. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, because you know the SP twelve hundred joints is like five thousand, three thousand. You know what I mean? Like that right. was way out of my um, wheelhouse at that moment.
0: You know. Yeah, it's always a trip to talk about this. Just thinking of how now you can download a program for the internet for free. You could do shit on your phone on an yeah.
1: iPad. Exactly. But I mean, back then you really had to invest in shit. Yeah. You had to. It was an entry fee. You wasn't just getting in it. I like that. You know what you I mean. Gotta pay your en- you gotta pay
0: your entry fee. Exactly. Yeah. So, at what point did uh, and before actually before I even ask this question, let me just say homeless derelicts, right? That's yeah, a group that you were part of. What group that? If you know, you know. It's one of them type of groups. Yeah. Um, worldwide following, underground, true, influential, but. Not a lot of people, not in this, not a household name. So I wanna, I'm, I'm really interested in that story of how that group came together.
1: That's interesting. So, you know, I would be going to this mall, Eastridge Mall. You know, you go out there, hang out, go get some girls, you know what I'm saying? Kick it with the homies up there or whatever. And, and by this time, people in the general South Bay area knew I was making beats. Like, it was kind of like, oh, that guy makes beats. So I ran into Grand's brother, who wanted to get some beats from me. He was going to buy them. And uh, we started working together. And in the process, I met Grand. That's Grand Visitor, for grand those that don't know. Gran Visitor, you know what I'm saying? In the process, I met him. And uh, I don't know. I think one day I was playing some beats for his brother. And then he busted a rap. And I was like, oh, shit. That That's really what the sound and the voice that I'm looking for. You know what I mean? I can cuss, right? Yeah. OK. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, that's the voice. That's the sound that really goes with what I'm trying to do. He had the patterns and whatnot. And, um, you know, we just linked. And then from then, you know, he would just come by the crib. You know, I'd have some beats playing and stuff. We'd make a tape, jump in his car, drive around. He'd be writing, you know, freestyling or whatever the case, and then come back, and then we'd end up recording a song or whatever. And, you know, it was just like, you know, just the perfect, you know, medium. So you're you're like making demo tapes,
0: yeah. dub tapes, and then at one point you self-release your own album,
1: right? Yeah, well, we was, you know, like I said, I knew Charisma. So, you know, we was making the songs, and uh, Charisma heard the songs, who was with Peanut Butter Wolf, and then they introduced us to Matt Brown, who was a manager. Um, he used to work with uh, Buddha Bob. He's a guy out of, out of Frisco, Buddha Bob. Some might know who he is, but uh, long story short, we was all in the same management and then the management, you know, kind of helped us organize and put a tape together that kind of went around the industry. And then, you know, Charisma was murdered, you know what I mean? RIP to my mans and um, that kind of changed the dynamics of everything, you know, basically. So what ended up happening is that Wolf didn't really want to, you know, continue doing music in that kind of way or whatever. So, we ended up funding our own record cuz they were a producer yeah producer DJ uh, MC yeah exactly duo same kind of situation so when he stepped out you know what i mean and just kind of like fell back we put this record out but then after that Wolf had started Stone's Throw and then we was like right there recording and we kind of just transitioned right into his Stone's Throw label for those who don't know cuz charisma they,
0: they didn't they had a couple releases while he was alive right or like They had
1: singles. And, they had like a single, but really, he was, on, he was signed to Hollywood Basic. That's right. So they was doing a big record label thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, whatever happened in the midst of that, it was all happening during the time he was signed to Hollywood Basic. So,
0: like, the world didn't really get to hear him that much in those days, but it seems like later on, Peanut Butter Wolf released some of those early yeah. songs and people started picking up on it. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, he actually became a pretty influential MC to a lot of people. No, definitely, man. What was he like uh, as a person and uh, as a,
1: as an artist working with him? I mean, Charisma was just fresh. Like, hip-hop, fully fresh. Like, he had, you know, the ill cars with the rims. He had the ill jewelry. You know what I mean? Flat top, all the ladies, money. Like, everything that, you know, you thought a rapper would have. He had that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, early and he had already been moving around like that before the record deal so that when he got the record deal that just enhanced you know the whole thing like he was made to rap there was no question that you know he was a star mhm you know and the peanut butter wolf connection he's from San Jose right yeah, he's like not too far from where um my mom you know where we stay, basically was like maybe a few miles up the way you know what i'm saying up the sh- up the road called Piedmont so you know he was right around the way right same same area right
0: right right there yeah, it's interesting because, you know, this is a time when, like, the independent movement in the Bay is booming, but it sounds like y'all are kind of focused on making a demo to get a major label deal. Exactly.
1: That was kind of what the focus was. So you we weren't thinking really, like, the out the trunk type of... Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I had seen people do it, but, um... Yeah, I was, like, 19 or something like that. I was just like, man, nah, I'm gonna try to get a big check. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It makes sense to me. <laughs> Shit. You know? I mean, that's what it was happening at the time, so that was kind of... That was the move. So what were the official releases that actually came out under Homeless Derelicts? So we had um, Cash Money. Well, actually, we had... Um, Critical Meltdown, right? Critical Meltdown and Surviving the Game. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was on Movado Records, which was a record that we funded ourselves. Okay. So
2: the Bomb Compilation. Was even, was I was like, going to oh, yeah, get, actually, no, the get the to the Bomb
1: Compilation. compilation. Yeah, yeah, the Bomb Compilation was our first release. Okay.
2: On,
0: um, yeah, on Vinyl. Yeah, let's talk about that. I'm on the second Bomb Compilation. It's oh, a little word, okay. cutty hip-hop yeah. trivia right there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but that's actually, for those who don't know, that's actually one of the first Bay Area rap compilations Um. It's a lot of I think Mystic Journeyman is on there. Yep, they're on there. Um
2: Black Alicious. Black Alicious Christmas Peter Wolf.
0: Yeah, so a lot of these these big names and, and that became um big names. And I guess that compilation also was kinda like got the attention of the industry, right? For yeah. recruiting new talent. Yep. And uh shout out to Dave Paul. Yep, Yes, sir. Founder of Bomb Hip Hop magazine. Um so was
1: that kind of a big deal to to get to oh, get yeah. your start on there? That was a big deal, yeah, yeah. the song we did was called "Fuck You," so you know we wasn't getting played on the radio <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, no, nah, that was a big deal.
0: I think total devastation is on there too, right? yep, yep, yep. and you ended up producing yep, stuff I some there?
1: stuff with mm-hmm. them, um we had did a... Uh, They had a a, um, single out where Diamond D did one side of it. Right. I did, like, a remix of the song that Diamond D did. And, um, yeah, man, I used to kick with them guys a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Them some dope
0: dudes. Yeah, yeah, shout out to the homies, Total Devastation. We had them on the podcast, too, a few episodes back. Oh, yeah. Um, But some of these Homeless Derelicts,
1: like, tapes. Oh, so we had the blue tape. Okay. The blue tape was, like, I think we probably made a hundred of them, but it went into the industry and then somehow it became a thing. You know what I mean? Like hell of people, random people ended up with this tape. Um, that became a vinyl record that peanut butter wolf put out. And then cash money is a single that peanut butter wolf put out. Um, the cool thing about cash money is that, and, um, critical meltdown or no, the cash money record. Actually, we recorded that at Danny animator studio. Okay. While they was recording, um, there's was recording uh, Dr. Octagon. It's a
0: trip, man. The Bay Area hip-hop scene is a pretty small circle, right? Especially back in those days. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like if you're really serious about doing it, you're going to run into other people who are serious about doing this shit, too. Nah, definitely, man. But some of these, these homeless derelicts albums or releases, to, or even from the early days, like today they're collector's items. Yeah, I would say so and some of them sell for, like, hundreds of dollars, and people are, like, constantly trying to find, track them down. How does that feel to uh, to put something out on such
1: a, like, underground scale and see that it's still relevant in that way so many years later? I mean, it feels good, man. I mean, you know, when you're making the music, you don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, it feels good to hear about it later, you know, and... um Yes, things was kind of different in life at that moment, so it's even better to be a little more wiser to be able to, you know, I guess you could say, capitalize off of some of those things that are happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, now there's a little more resource. You can see who's buying the yeah, shit exactly. and hit them up and say, hey, I got this, too. And Yeah, you know, what yeah. I mean? for a long time, you know, it's not like I would walk down the street and necessarily hear people bumping homeless derelicts or some of these records that I'm doing. You know, out their trunk or something. I mean, you know, you might hear something here and there, but a lot of it was DJ based. You know what I mean, and you know, vinyl based and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just a whole other thing. You never know who's, who's who, who would who would have heard it. Yeah, you, know you never
0: I mean? know. That I mean, that's the exciting thing about putting out music as an independent artist is that you know somebody's gonna hear it. Yeah, and you never know how how much it might impact somebody or what it might mean to somebody and and what how it evolves over the years, what it means to people like years down the line. No, definitely. Definitely. So we were talking earlier about the beginnings of Stone Stone Records and you were right there. For those who don't know, Stone Store is like one of the most legendary independent hip-hop labels home to artists such as Mad Lib and MF Doom and uh, Jay Dilla. Yes, sir. Many more. What were those early days like of um, seeing that come into fruition?
1: You know, um, well, you know, it was bittersweet because, you know, we had lost charisma. So, you know, that was a whole thing. But, um, you know, we didn't get the record deal at that moment. You know what I'm saying? We kind of, that just, you know, dissipated and the manager thing kind of dissipated or whatever. Well, you know what actually happened is that I went to L.A. to do a record for Coolio. I was going to ask and you and about And when that, that happened, yeah. the other stuff kind of, you know, we was gone for a minute. Because Grand was in L.A. also at that time for whatever reasons, you know what I'm saying? So we was just not there. When we came back, Wolf had started up with the label. He was working at um, TRC. And, um, yeah, he hit us and was like, yo, y'all got that music. Let's put it out. So I ended up putting that one out, the Homeless Derelicts record, the Encore record, and Persevere, um, his first record. You know what I mean? So, yeah, man, it
0: was was, was a good look. That's dope. I mean, it seems like the approach to that label is just shit that they
1: like, that they believe in. Yeah. and um, it's. I mean, we was friends, so it was even more like, you know, it wasn't like I had to bring it. And he had to listen to it in a way where, whether whether he was going to like it or not, he liked Amen. it. A lot of people start labels and their friends are the last people they yeah, think of putting out. No, that's true, though. That's true. But, you know, like, you know, he just liked what we was doing. He already had heard it because, you know, he was pretty much around while we was recording it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was, a, it was a no-brainer. That's dope. I mean, I at the moment didn't know or didn't see that Stone Throw would have been such an impactful thing. On oh, the industry, you know, Bright, when it's starting right then, like, I'm, I'm really yeah. proud of what he's done within, you know, Salute Wolf. No doubt, you know no doubt. Yeah, they're into, like, all different kinds of music now. Huge,
0: yeah. uh, devoted, following, fan base. I, I definitely remember not those early, early days of Stone Stone, but the earlier days of Stone Stone where it was just, like,
1: they had a brand where you knew you could find some shit there that you're not going to find anywhere else. Yeah, nah, definitely, man. Definitely. In fact, my man Fanatics, in the house. Yeah, shout know. out Fnatic. Yeah, Fanatic was there. You know, he did the Unassisted record for Rasko. You know what I'm saying? So he was in the beginning, right, standing right there with me. You know what I mean? That's right. So, That's right. Yeah, man. Uh,
0: you also mentioned Coolio. You're on the very first album. Rest in peace, Coolio. Yeah, R.I.P. Coolio, man. It Takes a Thief. I'm assuming it takes a thief to know a thief. Yeah, is what sure that stands for, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it takes a thief to get this money in this yeah. shady-ass industry. I don't know. Yeah. But um, that's a classic West Coast album. Coolio was around, like, wasn't he part of that whole
1: Mad, right Circle yeah, the Mad Circle yep. scene? Yeah, that was clean, too. The Mad Circle was Right, around. yep. That was WC's uh, first right. Uh, crew. Right. You know what I'm saying? So how did that come together where you end up Producing for him? I mean, like I said, a lot of people in the South Bay knew I made beats. So his girlfriend, his brother's girlfriend knew one of my homies' sisters and was like, yo, this guy makes beats, you should come check him out. So his brother Spoon came through to my um to my house and I just made a beat on the spot and he was like, okay. When I look back at it, I was like, okay, you could work the drum machine and you know how to work the your, you know, your machine. It was, you know, an ASR, not ASR, but EPS. He's like, you know how to work that thing. Okay, you made a beat with it. So I'm gonna call you. Calls me like three months later. And he's like, You need to come to LA. Drive to LA and boom, I stayed down there for like, you know, maybe like three or four months to record the record, you know, made the record on the spot. You know what I mean? Made the beat on the spot. I was, you know. Like I said, it wasn't like beat CD days where you had all this, mm-hmm. you know, catalog, c- catalog. It wasn't even no CDs around. So, you know, I didn't have hella big catalogs of tapes. So I just would make people's beats right on the spot. So I was making, I made his beat right on the spot, you know. So I had made a couple other beats in this particular session that we was doing. And he was like, yo, man, the next beat you make, that's the beat. Because I was being all artistic, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like this one. Turn this off. And he was like, what? Oh, wow. I was like, oh, this ain't, this ain't it. He's like, the next beat you make is it. And it's funny because, you know, being on tour with Souls of Mischief, me and breakbeat Lou, you know, he did the ultimate breaks and beats. He, um, you know, we DJ. I worked at drum machines and turntables. He works at turntables and whatnot. And we kind of worked together to make their soundscape. And uh, that day... Coolio had gave me this record going back to that, and it was the ultimate breaks and beats record. It's the only time I ever used the record, and you know it's funny to be, you know. Yeah, it's full circle know, moment, yeah, full right? Full circle moment, man. You know what I'm saying? So you know, R.I.P. Coolio. Yeah. Shout out Breakbeat Lou. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and that ended up being a platinum album, right? Yeah, uh, that's what they say. Dope,
0: man. Dope, that's what they say. Stripes in the game. Yeah, man. Um, and you just mentioned Rascal earlier. That's another. Another cat, yeah. you guys are affiliated with Cali Agents, yep. Rasco, and Planet Asia. Yes, sir. You, you've you produced albums with Planet Asia too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Planet Asia is a dope MC, bro. You know, another fun fact Fnatic produced his first EP. Oh, I got that, actually. Yeah. I got the, uh, the Kaleidoscope. Uh, I got the single. It's on, I got it on wax. It might be Kaleidoscope. But
2: yeah, yeah, It was just an EP with, like, seven songs. Okay, yeah, that's the one I got. Yeah, it was yeah. Single one. <laughs> yeah.
0: it's like a black cover with, like, a purplish kind of photo. Yeah, 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 I got that on wax. Yeah. Um, how did that
1: relationship come about? Um, actually, yeah, I met Planet Asia through Fnatic. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Shut how do you guys up? know each other? Homie from San Jose. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, because he,
0: I've heard the Homeless Derelicts
2: tapes I was just getting, trying to figure out what gear to get. I just, before I just had turntables. And uh, my homie who knew architect, Duran was like, this is what you need to get, blah, blah, blah. Macmillan EPS. So I got, you know, started on EPS. So just
0: that, that same circle we I was talking about. Like, I knew yeah.
2: like, a lot of MCs that he worked with. So it's like I connect, knew him through that. Like, That's what's up. That's yeah. what's up. Um, many people, even later in life, found out we knew the same people. Right,
0: right. And, R- and Rasco's from San Mateo, right?
2: Yep. So
0: that's also kind of close to that that area. So yep. you're so you're saying that's how you ended up meeting Planet Asia too, through Fnatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. through and Fnatic. R- yeah, because Rasco had
2: lived in Fresno.
0: Okay. And Rasco was living. I lived
2: in San Mateo, Peter Butter Wolf, and Rasco at one point. And so he was always talking about Asia, his homie from Fresno. And uh, yeah, so when he brought him out, kind of connected and she went crazy man he just yeah everywhere yeah. you know he was on it he was on it kept coming
0: on a Greyhound, coming through so yeah dope. yeah we're talking about some of the staples of the west coast underground yeah he's awesome. definitely, um, yeah, well, definitely definitely one got of, them. Whiff
2: of them right that's what you guys got the single
1: yeah, yeah, you know what, what I'm saying. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A B B records, right? Yeah. A B B was like, yo. Benny was like, yo, you need to make sure you do something with him. So we put put something together. They also put out uh dilated people's exactly. uh who else?
0: Far La- Legion. The Far eye. Mm-hmm. Foreign the eye. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Your Foreign Legion. Shout out to Foreign Legion too. And you're you're part of a crew called the Executive Lounge.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the, all my homies. Uh Persevere. Who was on Stones Throw Encore? Who was on Seventy Five Arc? That's Dandy Animators label. Uh, Grand, uh, my homie Holocaust. Uh, yeah, man. Am I forgetting somebody? Oh, my and Dave Dub, the amazing Dave Dub, man. So you know, those five MCs that I had, uh, they're really my friends, on the homies that you know I just grew up with or whatever. So we were able to make a compilation record. And there it is. It's like hip lounge, you know what I'm saying?
0: And then, oh yeah, before we started, you were mentioning that one of your early works came out on Buck 50 Records.
1: Yeah, which yeah. Which came up on our last podcast episode with San Quinn. Yeah, like Homeless Derelicts at one point was signed to Buck 50 Records and uh, Female Funk uh, that was on the label or whatever. They shouted us out on the um on their on their album and it was on Wax. So that's what a lot of the homeless derelict scratching you hear me doing actually comes from that record that Buck50 put out for um Female Funk. So I think Pam the functions was in that group. Okay. Um obviously Sam Quinn was on that label at one point. JT was messing with them at one point. You know. Um, you know, we was moving around so much at that point, I can't even really remember why we didn't end up putting the record out there, but you yeah,
0: know what I'm so it's interesting. It's just like all these different little connections yeah, in, and, in the music scene. But at, at one point, uh, you you kind of f- like fell out of the music scene, right? Like towards two thousands.
1: Yeah, 2000s, yeah I mean, when it was just getting weird, you know what I'm saying. And I was basically used to things being a cer- certain way. You know, the internet was coming into play. Everything was, you know what I mean, just changing. So I just decided to. Just fall back. You I know think what that I that mean? fucked a lot of people up. Yeah. The idea of like, free downloading.
0: The fact that, like... Because I remember it being, like, out of nowhere. It's just, like, nobody buys CDs. Yeah, exactly. Motherfuckers got burners now. We burn CDs. We we send it on the internet. We got MP3s. Um, All the big chains started shutting down.
1: Exactly.
2: Exactly. Was that before the Opio yeah. record
1: you did? Or after that one? Oh. Um, you know what, though? That's, like, uh... The Opio record came out before Vulture uh, the Vultures Wisdom, so I did do the record with Opio. This record, Vultures Wisdom, we did two of those right at 2006 up to 2008 and nine, and then right then after I did that, and I knew I was leaving people with some heat. Mm-hmm. And you know, we did videos for all the songs. That no, was dope. You guys made a good run with that. Album. I remember when that
0: when that came out.
1: Shout out to the homie Opio. Yeah, man. Shout out to the folks. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, I just basically, uh, I just need to take a break, man. Take a break, get get your mind, right. Let everything kind of come together.
0: Was there anything in particular that brought you back? Because you've been dropping prolifically
1: lately. You know, once I started hearing... uh, Well, well, you know, I always would drop stuff. Like, I had little beats here and there on, like, Asia Projects and stuff like that during the whole time. I just wasn't out there just actively trying to get busy. But when I heard, like, the God Fahim... Westside Gun and them guys. When I started hearing the, like that run, I was like, "Oh shit!" It looks like, and they was looking like they was kind of, you know, making some money. I was like, "All right, maybe it's back." You know, maybe some of the things that you know I'm into is kind of, you know, back in play.
2: And uh, you dropped two homeless derelicts records of before that, remember? They weren't no on Stones Throw. The sb 12 first. Oh yeah, I
1: did before. do it, but those were all the records. Oh, yeah. yeah, those was already recorded though. Like that's what people don't realize. Like that record I dropped with Planet Asia, we recorded that like in two thousand, like five or something like that. Oh, okay, Then right, I dropped it. it like yeah. ten years later. It was sitting on my hard drive, but
0: but yeah, I mean, there's been like a renaissance lately of like uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I want to say boom bap, but it's better than saying backpack rap. But yeah, you know, sample based hip hop. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It, exactly. It, it, uh, it's been a renaissance. Like I definitely feel like Griselda and. Um, Rock Marciano. Yeah, exactly. Alchemist, you know cats like that have
1: been really making that a wave. Yeah, no, nah, they definitely been at it. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, I was like, yo, I gotta get a piece of that. <laughs> yeah, and the <laughs> guy Fahim, you've done a few projects with him. Yeah, I did some stuff with him with uh markami uh, yeah, you know, other guys in that um whole lane, you know what I'm saying? I uh, just did something with this dude, um, uh, Mickey Diamonds and uh, this other guy, Cochise, like they did this all together that people are really messing with. The homie Criminal God. So, you know, I got people out there that's... Oh, know, that's Skeno's folks right there, Criminal God. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Criminal, Criminal. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> produced that. <laughs> that song, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's my guy right there. That's so. a, one of the illest names I've heard in a minute. You know, so... Yeah. yeah, you know, and, you know, shout out to Griselda and all the different dudes that help, you know, revive... That type of sound, you know what I mean? You know, it's not just Griselda though. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, salute to all them dudes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's exciting.
0: I mean, now I feel like it's. It might be the to me. It might be one of the best areas of hip hop because there's just something for everybody, and you can just find it. Exactly. No, um, there's no middleman record label, mainstream type of thing anymore, that's kind of phasing out because now you can, if you don't like something, you just go listen to something else. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's radio stations that play different types of hip-hop and there's podcasts and there's, it's just whatever you're into. If you're into drive-by gangster music, you can play it all day. You're good. If you like fucking sample shit with no drums, all day. If you like shit that still sounds like 92 G-Funk, hey, you got it, whatever you want. Is out there? Are you just reaching out, just just hitting people and 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 um, yeah, using the internet that, to yeah. to get to the, all these collaborations? Because you've been dropping like I just took a quick look before to prepare for this interview, and I'm like, man, this guy got songs with like a hundred MCs, man.
1: I reach out, you know what I'm saying? Dudes reach out to me, you know, um, but I do reach out because it's like you know, you never, you know. I try to work, man, and try to be cooking. You know what yeah. I mean, and and you know there's there is a little bit of value to attention. You know what I mean, and the more stuff I got floating around, you know it, it just adds up. I think there is a big difference between
0: a producer who just sits back making beats and waits for someone to hit him up, and a producer who's like, yo, let me make this happen. Let yeah. me get him and her and him on my beat, and let me make sure this comes out, and then let me line this up over here. Like you really, you gotta really stay on on your grind in this shit. Exactly,
2: exactly.
1: Yeah, that crypto album? Yep, yeah. Crypto yeah. album was crazy. Tight, you know what I'm saying? Uh, shout out to Crypto. you know what I'm saying? I've been rocking with them, you know, since the 90s, man. That's the fam. That's what's up, you know what I mean? But yeah, man, I, like I said, I try to reach out to anybody. If I come across this shit and I'm sitting on the internet or something and you got bars and something, you're busting, I'm looking at the Instagram, I'll hit you in the DM, like, yo, what's up, man? That's right. Let's listen, you know, let's work. That's dope. That's dope. And and you've been uh, collaborating with different labels too, like overseas labels. Yeah, I've worked with um a couple different labels overseas. Um this label De Wrinkle, Rap Durinkle, or something like that. Um I just did a record with Tajay um with Chopped Herring Records. Tajay from Souls of Mischief. It's called Black Tech. Check that out. Um only on vinyl right now. Dope. So you know, yeah, man. Yeah. Are you still
0: on the uh, EPS, or what what kind of equipment are you on now? I'm on the MPC.
1: Okay. You know what I'm saying? Which version? Uh, I'm rocking the MPC one. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, I'm messing with that right now. I got an 808 clone thing that I try to use with this S2000, so I'll be trying to, like, you know, mix and match, do some old-school stuff. You still got my 4000, but, you know, I just don't have the time these days. I got to be able to move through the beats and the workflow fast, no doubt, you
0: know. What's what's the most important advice you would give to a producer who's trying to get their music out there and get in the game?
1: Man, I'd say, um, hmm, that's a good question. I mean, use the internet. Everybody's at your fingertips. You know, I'd say that first and foremost. You know what I'm saying? If you're good, they're going to holler back at you. I'd say that first and foremost, you know... Um, you know, make sure you keep it funky, you know? Make sure you're still, you know, switching your styles up and trying to get fresh, you know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, keep your fingers crossed, man. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. saying. A little you know bit I'm
0: of saying? luck goes a long way, <laughs> you know? Well, that's what's up, man. I mean, uh, this has been a long, long career for you. You're still on the road. You're still putting out tons of music. You're still staying busy, keeping your ear to the street. Anything coming up that we should
1: be looking out for? Oh uh, man, yeah. Um, I can't really just say quite yet, but yeah, keep your ears out. The architect, you know, I'm gonna be working with a lot of up and coming rappers. That's like, you know, you're gonna be hearing about them. So I just don't want to say quite yet because I'm not there. The records aren't quite done, but I will be coming to a city near you. So right. know that much, so you can hear my beat set. Fewer MC come out, you know what I mean. Maybe get some beats from me or something like that. But um, I will be coming to a city to do my beat set with my man Fanatic. So you know. Look out for that. The architect and fanatic comes to y'all city soon. That's what's up. Appreciate y'all, brother, stopping
0: by. I'm glad we got to to tell you part of your story. Man, I appreciate. You it. know, you're the first uh, representative of Mill Man, I try to cover yeah. every every part yeah. of the bay you on this know. podcast. You know what I'm <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on. Thanks to everybody out there, always supporting, always showing love. Shout out to the whole team working hard. Thank you, everybody. Another dope episode in the archives. History of the Bay podcast with the architect. We out of here. Peace. Recognize where you got the game. We got our own style, got our own slang. Northern California is a West Coast thing. This is the history of the Bay. Recognize where you got the gang. We got our own style, got our
2: own slang. Northern California is a West Coast thing. This is the history of the Bay.